Hey y'all, welcome to my next episode. This is Metaphysical-ish with Momboy. I am Momboy and it's great to see you. I'm so glad that you are here listening to what I am moved to say. So I wanted to start out with a bodily observation and I do this because I find the relationship between the mind and the body to be very interesting and not just in a meditation sort of way but in a going through your life sort of way right so as you're walking through your life you are making the coffee you are commuting you are doing the dishes you're watching whatever you want to watch you're watching youtube videos what part of you is in is in the driver's seat is something that I like to observe. And also in moments where I feel the most stressed and the most depressed and the most disconnected, usually I have lost touch with one or the other, or I am privileging one over the other. There's just a lack of internal harmony that I, I notice is a common occurrence in addition to when I'm having some kind of stress or trauma or, or a difficult time. First off, I wanted to tell you about something that happened last week. I was a little sick, had like a cold, no big deal. And then towards the end of it, I started to feel like I had something... I don't know. I just started to feel like I was like, am I getting um, an infection? You know, like, is this is this turning into something more ominous? And do I need care? Do I need medicine? So on and so forth. And I felt fine. But increasingly, there was a feeling in my throat that something wasn't right. And eventually, I realized that it was a feeling I had recognized before back when I had tonsils, so I have not had tonsils in almost 20 years. So yeah, next year will be 20 years. And when you have tonsils, sometimes you get tonsil stones, which are gross things. They're just accumulations of any shit that goes down the throat, and then they collect in pockets, and then they get really nasty. And so I recognized that is what this feels like, but I don't have, I don't have tonsils. I haven't had tonsils. And, you know, I didn't really know what to do. And I also felt like, how is, like, what, like, what are you doing? Why, why are you thinking this? Eventually, I had it, right? So I got my water pick. And I essentially kind of waterboarded my throat. And let me tell you, I fixed it. I feel like there was a tonsil stone, like, down in here. I don't even know if that would be a tonsil stone because I don't have tonsils. And it was, I don't even know where. It was some kind of weird pocket of garbage. So anyway, that's another use for a water pick. If you have it, you can sort of pressure wash your throat if you're so inclined. So in case you didn't realize it, you don't need tonsils to have tonsil stones. Great. I wanted to talk a little bit too now about ADHD. I'm one of those people who 
was late diagnosed. I was actually diagnosed mid-pandemic. The pandemic pushed to the forefront all my difficulties and all my typical strategies and masking and all that failed on me at a time when I needed to be the best multitasker that ever lived because I was working from home full-time and I also had a two-year-old here as well my baby you know I had it and there was a difficult risk assessment happening there with okay well I want to make sure my child is getting their social needs met and their developmental needs met and also it did feel like anytime you went anywhere or did anything that you were making a decision that could result in tragedy. So that was a really fun time. Um, I, at that point in time, I was completely off of antidepressants over the course of my life. I've been on antidepressants. I've weaned off of them. I've had periods that were really great on and off of them. And I think at the end of the day, I have a common frustration between figuring out the correct balance of ADHD medicines that I also have with choosing an antidepressant and determining if it's being effective. I feel very frustrated if I focus on it with how unscientific it is to prescribe something, tell someone to come back in six weeks and then in like three minutes, sum up what's going well and what is not going well. And then for that to be a way for a doctor to decide what to do next. A lot of the times, in my experience, doctors are kind of looking to you to see what you want to do. Like, do you want to try more of this? Do you want to try less of this? Do you want to try something else? And then with that particular choice, you end up in a period where you are ramping, usually ramping off of one medicine and ramping onto another one, that could be, you know, 12 weeks or more before you can even kind of figure out like, oh man, did I make a good decision? Like, is this good for me? And I know that there are newer features that you can use, like there, are, there's gene testing and so on and so forth, but it's not accessible and it is not the standard. I haven't done it. I have thought about it. But it is, in my opinion, pretty frustrating how, you know, you don't know which antidepressant to take. You don't know which ADHD medicine to take necessarily with trial and error. And then for me, where I am at currently is this mind game of when do I need my ADHD medicine and when am I okay? And is my life better if I keep everything consistent, even a say across a weekend? Or is it better to take medicine less? And sort of my default bias is towards not being on any medicine, not taking anything, not needing anything. And the reality is I do. I do need it. I need help. Uh, getting my mood to a place where the weight of the world isn't suffocating me and I'm able to chip away in my little terrarium that I live in and make a difference and make changes and take care of me and take care of my people, you know, that I love, my pets. 
so on and so forth. So I have been on the weekends, sometimes not taking my ADHD medicine and then other times taking it. And then um, I'm on a more short acting version of ADHD medicine. So then you have this really fun thing where you're expected to take multiple doses throughout the day if you need it. So then that just kind of like multiplies it. It's just all these, all these variables, you know, and it is a lot, right? Because some days I get into the swing of things and I am focused, I'm drilled in, I'm doing what I need to do, I'm taking care of business, I'm polite and feel like talking, which is another thing where like I am naturally pretty introverted, but I have social needs. I have the need to connect. I think most, if not everyone does. And then you put me in a position where I work from home. I spend a lot of time in this room. I, if I'm not in here, then I spend a lot of time with my family, which is great. But in terms of just me expressing myself you know, it's really limited to pockets of time that my partner and I have together for the most part or other connection points that are either in person or, you know, online and connecting either, you know, through like typing. I enjoy typing to talk. It's the easiest way for me to communicate. I mean, writing would probably be number one, but, you know, I can't exactly, I guess I could, I could be pen pals with everyone, but that's not the situation that I'm in in terms of like time. I don't have the time right now and getting my ass to a post office, even though it's like a couple miles that way. (laughs) Oh, it's comical. It's comical how difficult it is to get to the post office. I have a printer. I can print out labels. Mm, Too many steps. Too many steps. Yeah, there's a boy genius lyric that I come back to a lot and it's it's about how um it it'll it would only take the energy to fix it. You know, so you're sitting here, you're looking at the light bulb that has been blown out for a year, but you don't have a ladder or you do have a ladder, the ladder's in the garage or your partner wants to help you with it, but then both of you never feel simultaneously like you want to do it, and so on and so on and so on. It's all fixable, but it would only take the energy to fix it, and we only have so much energy. So, you know, I don't really know what the answer is in terms of finding that right balance of your meds. But one thing that I'm cautious about is this this pattern I have with medicines reaching balance, like me and my, you know, whatever I'm, like, prescribed and working on with my doctors, and then starting to feel good, and then that's when I start questioning. It's like there's an immediate need to jump off the ship, like, okay, all right, I don't need that anymore. I'm I'm okay. And it's it's not very impulsive necessarily. I usually languish over it for a long time before I've taken action in the past. But at the same time, it I think I think a lot of it stems from this inner bias I have that not being on medicine is better and 
I can spiral out like, oh my gosh, like what if I get Alzheimer's because I was on ADHD medicine and consistently for years, you know, like what if what I'm on is the, the lead pipe in the plumbing of the Roman Empire, which is really extreme thinking, but also shit happens, right? Like that, that totally happens. So adjusting my focus and trying to make sure that I'm not unconsciously or consciously reacting to the current, you know, medicines that help me to be a functioning happy-ish member of my own life, to participate in my own life and not be a shit-flest, you know, just like a little shit-flest on an alien planet complaining, and that planet is my bed. Yeah. So I don't know if you needed to hear any of that. I'm curious if you are on any psychiatric or ADHD, any kind of medicines, what your, if you're willing to share, sort of like what your experience has been. And if you are a person who sort of, I don't know, I trust medicine, but it's like, I privilege not needing it. And I'm interested to know where that comes from. So if that resonates with you, let me know. Let's let's talk about it. I, in the future, I want to have call-ins and conversations and and talk talk with people. So if that's something that is interesting to you, just comment or let me know. I will say that you could have never spoken to me before, and that's fine. You know, like maybe I know some folks are here because they know me from places. And I would love to talk to you. It, don't don't talk yourself out of it. If you're if you're moved, just kind of say like, yeah, let's have a conversation, and then we can decide if it it's a podcast or not. So I want to use this as a connection point with with the wider world, the world that's bigger than the one that I just walk outside my door, because it's it takes a lot of effort. It will only take the energy to fix it. And I wanted to share something I listened to. It was a Duncan Trussell podcast with Anne Lamott and her boyfriend, Neil. And I love Anne Lamott. I have for a long time, even though she's a white lady with dreadlocks. I don't like that, but she's got her reasons. She's got a whole whole books written about it. Um, it is what it is, right? But she's written books that have been very helpful, the idea of taking it bird by bird, one bird at a time, baby, just bird by bird, very, very useful. And then her relationship with finding Christianity during addiction, very interesting to me. I've read that, I read basically her testimony in in various essays and then accumulated into books that she published. And I, at the time, was very intensely not religious. I was actively not religious. I was the kind of person that you don't want to, I I was the kind of person you wouldn't want to invite to Thanksgiving because I would argue with your grandma. And I was relatively nice, but I was coming at it from this sort of like 
philosophical, academic. I'm so well read. Like I've, I had read the whole shelf in the library, my local library, right? About philosophy and getting into different religions and theosophy and on and on and on. But that didn't warrant an ego, right? That didn't warrant coming at people like they didn't know anything. Um, So I was a bit aggressive and combative. I can still be kind of aggressive if I sense injustice. I get very triggered and mom boy mama bear when I feel like (laughs) advantages are being taken, uh, especially for someone who's in a position of, of less power. That kind of fires me up. But in this particular podcast, Neil, I guess, I don't know much about him. He's an interesting character from what I gather. He's written a couple of books. But one thing that he said that really stuck out to me was about the voices that are in your head. And I have taken away from what he said something that's really helped me. So he's talking about the voices in your head and it and kind of posing the question of who is that? Because it's really easy to hear this voice in your head and go, that's me. I really identify with the thoughts that are happening. That that loud, scared, angry, whatever voice in my head, that sad voice, the one that says, you know, KMS, like all of that stuff, that is, that's me. I identify with that. And it there's a lot of power in hearing the voice or voices, whatever, hearing it and asking it who it is, right? And for me, like this morning, for example, I was getting ready and I noticed the voice. The voice kind of like floated to the top. I could hear it really clearly. And the voice was telling me that I was taking too long and that I was going to be late for my meeting and, you know, every worry like that I have kind of like boiling down here, it was started to like yell it at me, right? And what what am I doing? I'm getting ready to take care of things. I'm getting ready to go kick butt, to help, to do what I need to do, to write and communicate and be a parent and da-da-da-da-da, right? And I have this voice that is me telling me how much I suck and how I shouldn't try, right? Like you just, in the, in the end, you just shouldn't try because look at all this bad stuff, you know, look at all the stuff that you're worried about. Like, what are you doing? And you should have, you should have started doing this 10 minutes earlier. You know, you should have gotten up an hour earlier and done more yoga and done da, 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 like criticism because you're not living your version of your perfect day or just like needling, you know, like if you're, If a partner or a friend treated you that way, I hope you would tell them to back off, right? So you have to do that with yourself, or at least I do. And what I have started to do, inspired by Neil, is to hear it. First, hear it. Hear it out. They get tired. They're they're like little um, sparklers, you know? It's like, ah. So hear it out hear what it's got to say. You can interrupt it if you need to. If yours is particularly fired up, you can, you can tell it, you can put a stop to it. That's the first thing. You've got to believe that you are in control. Like you run the shots, right? And the part of you 
that is able to zoom out is more the real you than the voice that is complaining about you to you. It's uh, it's like having um, a double agent <laughs> within the within the organization or something like it's actively trying to fuck you up and trip you up and catch you slipping and like cause you to slip and what I've been doing is hear them out then also kind of bucket them give them names so fear is a big one for me and I think a lot of my anger my sadness that I will feel will ladder up to some feeling of fear or anxiety or worry and so once you start to give them names, you can talk to them, right? So let's say right now in my head, it's like, oh, you're a piece of shit. Like, what are you doing? Why are you making a podcast? No one wants to look at you. No one wants to hear you. There's a million podcasts. Even though you're compelled to do this, you should give up, go do something else, blah, blah, blah. And then you can hear that voice and you could say, Okay, that voice is afraid that I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to look dumb. People who know me or think they know me might see it and then laugh at me or judge me or be mad, more likely be mad that I have not, you know, returned their phone calls or their texts because I'm the worst at those things, even though I also desire connection all the time. And you can say to that voice, you can say, okay, I hear you, you're fear, you're afraid, you're afraid of rejection, of vulnerability, etc. And you can tell fear or whatever your voice's name is, you can say, hey, buddy, I got it. I got it. You know, you've been in control. You got me through some hard times. And I really appreciate you. Like, I am grateful to you for what you have driven me through, right? You have gotten me here. But I've got it now. I can make the decisions. And here's the thing. I'm not kicking you out. I'm not evicting you. But I need you to know that you're not in control. You are one of my, I, I can consult with you, right? You sit on my board. And when I have a situation that requires the knowledge of fear, I will summon you. I will say, hey, fear, come here, you know? Um, and when I'm, when you're truly feeling fear, it will happen automatically. It, it, it's not that um, you're going to risk not being able to react the way you should when you're afraid. But this empowers you to, to be able to live in a way that is not being driven by fear without you even realizing it. And also in times when it's totally not appropriate. And I feel a little bit of relief every time I do it. I feel like relief from the part of me that is so worried and scared. And I also feel supported, right? Like we can, me and all my experiences and feelings and so on, we can work together. We're going to make better decisions and make more of a difference and do all the things that we want to do when we are able to make decisions that are not hurried, when it's not always 
an emergency and when the most intensely urgent kind of thing, the feeling, the feeling of urgency that is associated with fear, anxiety, worry, when that doesn't get to jump the line all the time, when it's not an imminent danger. So that's something that I'm trying. Um, I'm curious what it's like for you. I've read those articles that said some people don't even have a an, an internal voice. I do often think in terms of pictures and patterns, there is also a, a voice element too, occasionally. And it's, it's, uh, I am trying to remember, I can't think of a time where it's been like, man, you're just like, just doing a really good job. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always I'm like doing something else. And it's telling me this, it's languishing about that. And to be honest, I think it contributes to my forgetfulness. I'm always losing things. I am in a constant state of assigning a place to things. So I stop losing them. And even, even that, even in that situation, I lose my favorite earbuds twice a week. I lost the case long enough that I bought a new one because it had to charge the earbuds and blah, blah, blah. Now I've got two cases. And so it's a whole thing. I, I lose stuff constantly. And it's from the inattentiveness that I think is connected sometimes for me distracting myself. Well, that's it for today. That's it for metaphysical-ish with mom boy. I just want to say... I love you so much. If you're hungry, I want you to get a big black trash bag and I want you to come over and I want you to go in my pantry. I want you to fill that sucker up and I don't want to hear it, you know, and as you walk out the door, I might slip you 20 bucks. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It really is. It's hard out there, but you can do it. You're trying and... I'm here for you. I am conspiring for your success. All right. Love you so much, y'all. Take care of you. Let me know in the comments, like, do you have a voice in your head? Have you dealt with struggles with ADHD and just deciding on medicines, whether to be medicated, stop being medicated? And if you have any gross tonsil stone stories, I'm down to hear it. I don't know if everybody else is, but uh, I would love to hear it. Okay, love you. Bye.